good morning, Northern Hills. It is good to be with you this morning. I want to welcome all of you in person today, and I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. We're in the third week of our teaching series called Influencers. And if you've been with us for the first couple weeks, you know that we've been taking time in this series to talk about the individuals or the group of people that have influenced our lives leading up to where we sit in life. Um, as we look back upon those individuals, we want to remind ourselves that we too are impacting others. There are people in our sphere of influence right now that are being impacted by the things we say, the things we do, and that really this is a moment where I'm going to get my voice deeper. Anyway, um, no, this is, this is a moment for God's people, isn't it? This is a moment for God's people, a, a place where I think our world more than ever is asking a lot of questions, uh, trying to find guidance, trying to find hope, trying to find some sort of <laughs> sense to hang on to. What, 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 are, what is happening in this world and what's my part in it? And so I think the people of God are set up more than ever for this moment to be the influencers that our world needs. And that's why we wanted to take some time with this series and, and talk about not just positive influence. Remember, we've talked about the first couple of weeks. Positive, bad influence, those are just realities. None of us want to be a bad influence, but it goes beyond just the positive influence that we can make in people's lives. We want to have life-changing, life-impacting influence in the life of others. We believe Christ in us allows that to happen. And so we've been talking about three, I would say, core values that are going to lead us to better influence. Last week we talked about character. It always starts with character. This week we want to take some time that it continues with coaching. And then Pastor John's going to take next week to really wrap a bow around this, that it all requires courage, character, coaching, and courage. Um, I believe this to be true about our lives as we spend some time looking at the importance of coaching today. I believe it to be true of our lives. Maybe you understand this in your work area Maybe you understand this as a parent, maybe even just in marriage. But we're going to never maximize our potential in any given area of our lives without a coach in our lives. I believe it's impossible. Now, I believe you can, you can be good at something. I believe even as an influencer, right, you can have influence in the life of another person or, or a group of people for that matter. And you can be really good at that. They can listen to what you say, what you do, or what you say may be very influential in their lives. But without outside input into your life, I think it gets capped. I think at some level there's going to be a lid and you, you'll only be as good as you can be versus someone else that's also going to be pouring wisdom, discernment, life history into your life as well. See, we're all better when we allow others to influence us. And then that influence then can pour out of us into the life of others. It's football season. And uh, many of you know I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny? Here's what's funny about the booze. I, I, I get it. I get it. And I put myself out there, so I, I deserve it. But what's funny about the booze is I even put insert booze here into the script because I knew that was going to that was going to take place. But it's football season, right? It's it's eternal hope season. A lot of us are excited about what the new year holds and the hope for our favorite team, whatever our favorite team is. As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you can imagine that I've put a lot of um, faith in not only the team, but really in the quarterback. Right. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And I've spent a lot of time becoming a great fan of his in the midst of uh, my team being able to uh, uh, win and, and do some things they haven't done in past years. They finally found their quarterback. But what's interesting about Patrick Mahomes is there's some things he's done in his first three years in the league that have never been done in the NFL. Like he's, he has a, a league MVP. He has a Super Bowl MVP. He's done some things and, and, uh, in the league that have never been done. And so when you look at Patrick Mahomes having a coach to make him better, to make him better at quarterbacking. I think many of us could look at this individual and say, well, how's that coach going to help you? It may not make sense upon really just saying that out loud. I think it's appropriate to ask, what could he learn from another guy that's not as good at football as Patrick Mahomes is good at football to make him better? It's appropriate to ask that question. What's he going to learn about quarterbacking or the game of football that he doesn't already know, even in just three years in the league? That would just be appropriate based on his accolades, based on what he's accomplished. But the answer to those questions would be plenty. He has plenty to learn. And if you ask him, he'll tell you the same thing. He talks all the time in his interviews and, and, and when being interviewed about how he's made some uh, specific accomplishments, he's always referencing back to head coach Andy Reid and that the offense that he's been put into is an offense that sets up all of his gifting. He, he highlights how the general manager, Brett Veach, has surrounded him with talented players. He has a lot of skilled players around him that are also really good at football. They make Patrick Mahomes look better than even what he is. And if you know anything about football, you'll know, you know that as the months go by, as the years go by, this cat, he's going to lose his arm strength. He's, gonna, he's not going to be as mobile as he once was. All of us know that. The Denver fans that are here or watching online, we get that. He had Peyton Manning for a few years. He was on the back end of his career with those few years. But you know what? He was still a very skilled, very great quarterback. Why? Because of what was in here. Because of how he was coached. Because how he could beat people with his mind and not just his physical ability. See, Mahomes is wise enough to recognize that his giftedness and those early accolades, they're going to diminish. But what will not diminish is his need for a coach. The opposite is true. And I think every top athlete understands that. Are you kidding me? Tiger Woods? Does he really need a swing coach to make his golf game better? He's the best swinger of the club that this world's ever known. Does LeBron James need somebody to teach? Well, I was about to say to teach him how to shoot. Maybe to teach LeBron James how to shoot. But LeBron James doesn't necessarily need anybody to coach him at being good at basketball, right? But every top athlete knows this. They know that they need a coach, that nobody performs their way, no matter how old they get, how much they know of needing a coach. And so in our world of influence, in the ability to influence others, we need others to lead us. Once we've recognized our ability to influence another person, I think sometimes we can get in the rut of thinking that we have all the answers, that we don't need anybody. Consequently, I think we start measuring our influence by the, what the world says. We measure our influence by uh, up against someone else's influence. And instead, we don't really maximize our God-given potential. And in the end, we never become maybe what we could have been. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Great influencers are great learners. Great influencers are great learners. It fascinates me that Solomon, Solomon, who is the wisest man who ever lived. 
wisest man who ever lived wrote so much about seeking coaching. Now, he couches it in this idea of seeking wise counsel. In fact, we can read all through Scripture, and there was no one that said more about the importance of wise counsel to all of the other biblical writers, even combined, quite honestly. Solomon talked about wise counsel. So why would this man, the wisest man in the world that needed at least, say that the most? <laughs> well, simple, because he was the wisest man in the world. Wisdom seeks counsel. The wise man, the wise man knows his limitations, and the fool thinks that there's, that, you know what, I've already arrived, that I, that, that I really, that I have no limitations, that I have no blind spots. See, only the naive would operate under the assumption that they always make all the right calls without any input from the outside. Here's a few thoughts from Solomon on seeking wise counsel. These are found in Proverbs. Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Proverbs 15, 22, Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And this last little bit of wisdom here, Proverbs 19, 20, Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. I believe that great influencers are great learners. And since we're talking about Solomon for a moment, I just want to build on this thought of being a great influencer, being a great learner, how those two coincide with one another. I want to get into this story about Solomon that maybe some of us aren't com completely familiar with. I believe this story is going to help us unpack this thought this morning. Now, the value of surrounding, the value of surrounding oneself with other counselors, with other individuals. This was something Solomon understood, and he was able to pass along to his son, Rehoboam. But the value of listening, listening to that wise counsel, that was something his son didn't pick up on. Rehoboam's unwillingness to take the advice to hear wise counsel was actually something that cost him dearly. And we're going to talk about that story this morning. And here's how the story goes. First of all, we need to understand that following the death of King Solomon, the death of King Solomon, the people of Israel gathered together in the city of Shechem, and they were going to crown his son Rehoboam the new king. But before that coronation took place, the people, the people gathered together, and they appointed, they appointed Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam, no relation, <laughs> to Rehoboam. He was actually just a former superintendent of King Solomon. They appointed Jeroboam to put this request before the young king on behalf of the people. The young heir to the throne wouldn't hear what the people were requesting. 1 Kings 12.4. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal servants. You see, before his death, King Solomon became obsessed. He, he really became obsessed with making Israel the epicenter of culture. And he accomplished this primarily through this aggressive building campaign. And some of you have been involved in those, maybe through a professor, maybe you've just seen it from afar. Unfortunately, what was taxing about that aggressive building campaign, it was taxing on the citizens of Israel. 
they bore the brunt of that ambition. So their taxes ended up increasing. They were high, and they were forced to allocate their finances, <laughs> their time, their resources, all to this construction of this epicenter of culture, right? So even as loyal subjects, or even as trusted citizens, in what, as they looked to the king, they were in this season essentially King Solomon's slaves. After Solomon died, the people, they just wanted a break. They wanted some breathing room. And so the people came to Rehoboam to pledge their support, provided, provided he would lead them differently than his father did. And check this out. Rehoboam starts off strong. He starts off really well. Verse 5 in 1 Kings 12, Rehoboam replied, Give me three days to think this over. Then come back for my answer. So the people went away. And then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? Great influencers, great learners. They, they coincide, and, and Rehoboam's setting the tone here. It seems like he's actually learned some lessons that his dad may have taught him along the way. Take some coaching. Listen to some counselors. Take some counsel. Ask good questions of those around you. And the coaches in this scenario are the older men, the elders who had served his father. These men would have been perfectly positioned to offer some words of advice into the new king's sphere because they've been around the block a while. Because they knew the men and women of this culture. They, uh, they had the advantage of age and wisdom. And so here's what they offered Rehoboam. Verse 7, the older counselors replied, If you're willing to be a servant to these people today, if you're willing to be a servant to these people today, and give, and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. Favorable answer. People were requesting breathing room. This is, this is Rehoboam's moment. This is his moment to recapture the hearts of the people. He's being coached by these counselors, and they're presenting him with this opportunity to do something that would be in sharp contrast to what the king prior to him, his dad, had done in his twilight years. He could lead the people rather than simply just ruling over the people. And like many of us, he had all the answers. Rehoboam was unwilling to listen. 1 Kings 12, 8, but Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men. And instead, he asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. See, he was unwilling to listen. Such advice, I, I just imagine in the moment, it must have come off to Rehoboam much like this idea of babbling old men that were just sort of saying, well, this is how it used to be, and these were the good old days. But those days had come and gone in Rehoboam's mind, and so had, he must have been asking as this king, have they ever led? Have they ever ruled over a people? See, if you believe the truth that coaching matters, if you believe that for your life, if you believe the truth that great influence comes from being a great learner, then this is true for you as well. Great learners, great learners are great listeners. Great learners are great listeners. I can remember um, when I first started in student ministry, uh, one of the camps we were involved in uh, was called Christ in Youth. And it was an event that was held down in Durango, Colorado at the time. It was a summer camp 
for uh, our students. And so we would head down to Durango, Colorado. We would go to Fort Lewis College. That's where the uh, camp was held. Lots of great speakers. But just like any camp, there was free time during camp. And during that free time, inevitably, there would be groups of students and groups of leaders that all hung out together. There were options to go fishing, go hiking. If you were outdoors, we were playing ultimate frisbee or on the you know, college ball fields doing something. But it got hot through the day, and so we'd want to land at the indoor portion of this camp to where there was the swimming pool. There was basketball as well, but inevitably, again, we ended up at the swimming pool to close the afternoon of free time out. Well, this was a large pool. And a lot of diving boards within this pool because um, it, it was held actually for diving trials and diving competitions. So it was just sort of cool to be part of this thing that you knew there were some really good athletes that were doing some, some high dives. Well, of course, kids would get up and down and, and show off. Well, we had one leader, and his name was John Sullivan. And John Sullivan was one of those fearless leaders. You know the, you know the person in your life that will actually try anything once? We all have that person in our life. They'll try anything once John Sullivan was that guy, which meant the students loved him because they loved the fearless leader. He had never dove off a diving board. <laughs> he probably had never dove off a, the side of a pool, quite honestly. So he never really knew what that looked like, but he's like, I'm willing to give it a try. So he tries the, the low board first, and he's making a complete fool of himself, quite honestly. He, he jumps off, and it's a little bit more like a cannonball or a belly flop than it was a dive. So immediately, we start just shouting out our little student section and, you know, just giving him advice. Like, hey, you know, get, get the legs tucked in a little bit more, hands out. And, you know, we're sort of directing him, and he gives it a couple other tries, and he takes on the next level board. And still, again, just making a complete idiot of himself, quite honestly. He's falling off, and, and we're just cracking up and laughing, but I think he's sort of enjoying the attention a little bit. And he's fearless. I'm like, I got to get this down and stuff. And so he chooses to go to the highest board, the highest diving board in the swimming area. And again, we're all shouting the instructions. We're giving him even better to No, not what you did last time. Do this. And so he gets towards the edge, and he's ready to do the dive. And, and he's, you can tell he's been listening, and he's been listening really well because he's taking all of that advice, and he gets ready to do it, and he slips, and he falls off of the high diving board. You ever have those moments where you're, like, worried for somebody's, like, you know, you're really, is this person injured? But you're also laughing you're like, they're just cracking up. Like, that's exactly where we were. We're sort of like, is John okay? Is, John okay? is he going to be okay? But that is hilarious. He just fell off the top diving board. He was okay. Thank goodness. Thank God, right? But it was funny because he came up to us afterwards. He swims over to our group. And he's like, hey, guys, so who took diving in the group? And we're all sort of looking at each other. Like, what is that supposed to mean? He's like, no, you guys were all giving me, like shouting out what I was supposed to do and the pointers and all of those things to, to get each board and, and sort of take each level. I'm, I'm just learning and I'm just, you know, taking that advice. And we're all looking at you because no one ever dove. We were just giving him random advice. But as he was listening to us, he was taking all of that like it was gospel. And so he's just angry. He's like, you mean none of you have ever done this to yourself? None of you have even ever tried to do a legitimate dive off high, the highest board in a swimming pool area? And so the kids are getting a little nervous because they're like, oh, John's getting mad. I think, I think I shouldn't have said anything. And so I just took one for the team. I'm like, oh, no, John. None of us would have been that stupid to actually do any of that stuff and just be crazy like that. You literally put your life on the line today. And his whole face and everybody's laughing, face and demeanor changes. And then he tried to drown all of us after that, right? But here's the point. 
I learned two things from that experience that day. First of all, never trust a pastor and his group of students that are all giggling and laughing in a little huddle pointing from a swimming pool. Don't trust those people. But the second thing I learned is that great learners, they're great listeners. John was just listening. And he was taking that advice. He was taking that coaching, that instruction on how to be a great diver. And he was, he was taking it all in, believing that it was coming from professionals. That even though we were laughing and giggling, he thought, no, someone must be a diver in that group. Because they know what, and I'm going to work on this. I'm going to make sure I do this right. He was learning how to dive. He was just listening to the wrong voices. He was listening to the wrong people. And Rehoboam listened to the wrong voices as well. Listen to his young friends. You see, the counselors, they had a different perspective because they were older and they were wiser. They'd lived longer. They had more wisdom. And so what they saw was a group of men and women that were so eager to follow this new king. But Rehoboam didn't see that. I think what these older guys probably also saw <laughs> was that this young king didn't understand the difference between privilege and responsibility. And so that's the power of coaching. It reveals itself in the story. Had Rehoboam listened to those men, he would have gone farther as a king, faster in the minds of the people. Everything he was looking to gain in, in loyalty, in the ability to be influential, had he listened, he would have established himself as wise and trustworthy as the leader the people needed in the minds of the people. And that's not what happened. Rehoboam listened to the wrong voices. But great learners are great listeners. So who are we listening to? Rehoboam, his friends just told him what he wanted to hear. Quite honestly, those friends might have been even fearful for their life, or if not fearful for their life, they might have just been coming alongside him to kiss up to make sure they had extra or special privileges. They were just kiss ups. And so he went with the people that were telling him what he wanted to hear. Three days later, the people reconvened, and Rehoboam gave them his answer. He said, he said that to lead in such a way, he would make those people long for the days of his father. Here's how he responds, 1 Kings 12, 14. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. He wasn't looking to influence. He was looking to rule. He was looking to rule over the people. And Rehoboam was assuming something that many with influence, I think, can assume as well. He assumed that position, that the title would ensure the loyalty. Some of us are like this when it comes to our influence. We believe the nameplate, the position God has given us should equal the loyalty that follows. Maybe you're a manager. Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you're a small group leader. Or, or here at the church, just a, a children's leader, student ministry leader, a men's, women's leader. And we assume the nameplate, the position equals influence. You may even have the title, the position, mom, dad. And that automatically assumes my influence is in my child. Husband, wife, my influence is in my spouse. But if we, if we abuse our position of influence, we lose those that we want to have impact on. We lose those that we lead. Nobody has to follow you. 
Nobody has to follow. We can't force people, even, even in this, even subjects, you can't force to follow. We might be able to force them into submission, but we can't force them to become loyal followers. And Rehoboam learned the hard way. 1 Kings twelve sixteen, when all of Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. And so the people of Israel returned home. Last note for today. Never give up your influence unnecessarily. Never give up your influence unnecessarily. Because upon hearing Rehoboam's influencer kind of strategy, this is what's going to happen. And it's going to be heavier and harder than anything my dad did. Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel, ten of the twelve, decided not to follow. See, he heeded the advice of those that told him what he wanted to hear. The result of that wasn't more influence. The result was revolution. Revolution amongst the people that said, bad king, we're not following that guy. There wasn't one thing that Rehoboam could do about it. In his rush to rule, he lost influence. He wasn't willing to listen. And with that, with his mind already made up, his, he lost his opportunity to lead. He lost the very thing he was trying to preserve. And I think it's a lesson for all of us to never give up our influence unnecessarily. What voices are we listening to? See, here's the reality of this story. I think I have more in common with Rehoboam than I'd ever like to admit. And some of us are there too. Chances are, great influencers are great learners. <laughs> great learners are great listeners. That's, yeah, that's true. It's a good tagline. But here's the rub with that. Being coached assumes an act of submission. It really does. And submission is something many of us have difficulty with. Rehoboam had difficulty with that. He would rule people. That was his goal rather than serve people. Some of us even have difficulty submitting to the heart of God, to what God wants for our life. The great coach, the good coach that loves us so deeply, that submission becomes very, very difficult to us. Engaging someone to speak into our lives, it's going to require this willingness to submit to their counsel, to their instruction, to their guidance. And hear me loud and clear this morning. If we aren't willing to submit, not only to our maker, but to the influence that he puts around us, if we are not willing to submit, then we are not coachable. We're not coachable. If we view ourselves as just more capable or more passionate or more talented than the people around us, I think it's going to be less likely that we'll place ourselves in position to then be influenced by our great God or influenced by the people he's put into our sphere of influence. I, I think it's just like John. John Sullivan listening to the wrong voices or Rehoboam listening uh, to the wrong voices. It matters who we surround ourselves with. It matters what voices are coming in. Who are the people that are in your life, that are speaking wisdom into your life. And not just speaking wisdom, and, and not just speaking words of encouragement, who are the people that are telling you the hard thing? Who are the individuals that are uh, noticing your blind spots? 
help making you more self-aware? Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? That not just that you want to hear, but that you also want to hear. So you become the better version of you. I believe encouragement is important. Yes, absolutely. Find those people. Find those people that are pouring into you so you can grow. But we need to hear different perspective, perspectives and different takes on the world and different upbringings, different life to invite all those voices in. I believe that's God's goodness to us. I believe in his goodness to us. He has placed us in position to be around men and women. And not just people that have gone before us, but someone that's experienced a different life trial than you have. Someone that has experienced the same life trial that you have, because he never wants us to stop improving and growing. If you wanna be a life-changing influencer, life-changing, life-impacting influencer, find a coach. This next week, think about that. Who could I invite into my life that I trust to observe, but also to critique me in a coaching moment? Or perhaps it's time for you to become the wise counselor. Maybe God's asking you to step out in faith, to step up to a call. That means it's time to pour your skill set, your wisdom into someone else. Ask those two things. Think about those two things this next week. Let's struggle through that together. Great influencers are great learners and great learners are great listeners. It's truths we can lean into this next week, but here's why we lean in to those being truths. Because this is our moment. This is our Rehoboam moment where we have the choice to be the influencers the world needs. If you remember Pastor John talking about the first week, we're salt of the earth. We are light in this world. That means that our influence matters. It matters in the life of individuals where eternity is at stake. And it's not just eternity being at stake for the big picture. It's now our time here and now where we can influence how marriages stay together, how our young people that are dying, dying to understand their identity, dying to understand their influence into this world, need someone else to pour into them. Our influence matters because we need to help people see the world as it is. Not how we think it is, but as it is, that it's not our home and that we're made for the eternal, that we have an opportunity while we're here to make eternal impact. That's what all of you are. That's what all of you watching at home are. You're an influencer. And so let's use our influence because it's extraordinarily, extraordinarily important. And how we do that, well, is we just follow our great coach. We look to the coach that, that did overcome death, that defeated it, that said no more. This isn't how it was supposed to be. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his good work on the cross, his, his death, his, his burial and his resurrection, proving he was God. When you put faith and trust in Jesus to be the coach of your life, the guide of your life, that's where we're gonna be able to have that life impacting, life-changing influence. Him, the Spirit of God, working through all of us. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, today's the day. Today's the day to do that so we can follow the best guide that doesn't break promises and that keeps his word to us to be the influencer 
that he's created each of us uniquely to be. If you would pray with me, if you've never prayed this prayer before, I just ask that you'd pray this aloud, inviting Jesus into our lives. God, I'm a sinner. I'm a broken person. God, I, I look at the game of life and I think I'm just, I'm screwing it all up. God, I need you. I, I recognize that you sent Jesus to die for me. And I accept that today. I, I trust that today for my life, that you are doing something beyond what I can see, that you wanna come into me, into, into my life and just restore me, God. You wanna restore everything that I think is broken. You wanna bring beauty out of ashes. And God, I invite you to do that today. Change my life. I trust in you. I trust in your promises. I'm done trusting the world. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for making me new. And God, have your way moving forward. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, God's promise to you is that he will never leave you as a coach. He will never abandon you. You're never off the team. That's just how God works. You're part of the family. And that's what we celebrate here today with you. That's what we're gonna continue to celebrate with you moving forward. Let us get a Bible in your hands. Let us resource you somehow. Again, let us know online. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we wanna come alongside you for the rest of that journey. Let's pray to close out this morning. God, for the rest of us, Lord, we, yeah, God, we just are trusting in you to be the influencer, the best influencer that we can be, God. But Lord, we know that part of that, the rub becomes the submission, Lord. So help us to submit to your will for our lives. Help us to submit to your plan for our lives, God. Your way is better. It's always better. And so God, help us to listen well, but help us to listen to your voice over all the surrounding voices that we sometimes pick up on television and culture, even loved ones and trusted ones, Lord. Help us to listen to your voice first so we can discern the other voices around us and what's healthy, what needs boundaries, what shouldn't be in our lives, but that will be directed when we spend time and listen to you. Give us courage, give us strength, give us, give us the power, Lord, you reside us to do that and do that well. God, we thank you for today and we thank you for your word coaching us this morning. We pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.